folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 237. Glad you could join us. We got a good list of topics, so let's get started at the top of the list with Bait. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Bait. I am uh, not so much of a gamer these days, but uh, I am happy to be back on the show for once. Good to have you, man. All right, Jay, you're up. Hey guys, this is Jay, and I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomass, and I am glad to see that Bait is actually studying hard in college, vice playing video games, although it'd be good if you would play video games. <laughs> All right. And I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. I do a lot of the Project Nova stuff on YouTube. And uh, yeah, still playing Destiny 2, but I gave the Anthem Alpha a shot uh, yesterday, actually. So we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. But let's get started with some uh, movie stuff. So uh, Captain Marvel got a new trailer. Did you guys see that one? Well, yes, but yeah, I did. <laughs> You're going to tell me out with this one, Jay, because I am not at all familiar with this character. So what were we seeing in that trailer? Uh, okay. Um, so it, it's pretty clear that they're taking which version of Captain Marvel. They're taking a lot of uh, kind of a lot of the tones from. It's one of the, the more recent kind of cuts of Captain Marvel. Um, it, it, I think, probably better fits with the tone of the MCU so far. So uh, there was nothing crazy in there that you saw. But I think what you really got a taste of was how powerful this version of Captain Marvel is in comparison to kind of the rest of the MCU. And so now you can kind of see why she is uh, somebody that, that, that might be a game changer in terms of the Thanos fight, if that makes sense. Like, there, there's been a lot of different versions of Captain Marvel in the, in the, in the Marvel universe. I mean, wildly different versions. This one is, I, they've, definitely tweaked some of her powers to the upscale my rough you know you know just roughly it looks like she's operating somewhere four or higher in power level so you know supermanish in some ways so that's pretty interesting um i i am curious to see how they weave in a lot of the scroll stuff because i think that there's going to be a lot of um tones that they try to weave through the captain marvel movie that are almost like um, not Easter egg may not be the right way, but like almost like uh, prequel Easter eggs for certain things we've seen in other Marvel movies, which then ultimately should lead us up into the Avengers Endgame uh, uh, movie that when it comes out, that makes sense. So overall, uh, you see her kind of. It's not very clear if what if she is become Captain Marvel because of a big science accident, which was kind of the, one of the versions that they have, or if she's actually part Cree, part something else, or, you know, th there's a lot of unknowns there, but I think she's going to have a somewhat unique origin story uh, compared to some of the other Captain Marvels from the comic book. So, I mean, overall, overall I thought, I, again, I think it looks pretty good. Uh, it's going to tell a little bit more of a broader kind of cosmic story, kind of think uh, Guardians of the Galaxy setting, but, a little, but certainly more serious, I think. Uh, so overall, I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I like Brie Larson. I mean, she seems like she's pretty. She's going to be pretty good in that role. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, earlier in the timeline, especially with with uh, our de-aged Samuel Jackson with Dick Fury. It, it's going to be kind of cool to see transition of where that started up until you know where we obviously are with uh, the next Avengers film. So it should be pretty cool. So speaking of the next Avengers film, they also released the official 
uh, number one trailer for the film and kind of released the the name. I don't think the name was was uh, confirmed until this trailer came out. So it's going to be called Avengers Endgame, and it's of course the continuation of Infinity War post you know half of the universe dying. Uh, what do you guys think of this one? I am not a fan of the name uh, personally, and I didn't think the trailer was too terribly interesting. Yeah, definitely lean more into kind of the a lot of focus on Tony Stark, obviously, um, and kind of less of a big action set piece and more of a, hey, things are really screwed up and we all got our asses kicked, uh, which is, you know, kind of what I expected, but it, it's going to be curious to see what this plan they're talking about is, is going to actually be, because I'm not at all familiar with the, the timeline of, of the different versions of the Infinity War storyline, but uh, at this point, it's kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, how are you going to reverse all this, you know? Yeah, I I was not um, – it's pretty much what I expected to see, uh, to be honest with you. So I'm not real – I am not. I don't have a lot of feelings one way or the other. I am very curious to see how they're going to wrap a lot of these things up. And what I, I ultimately think you're going to see is a, uh, a bridge between, you know, I think old Marvel characters are going to clearly go away permanently. Now, whether that's die, retire, I mean, they're going to, like, put some of those kind of to rest. And they're going to really start to shine the spotlight on sort of that next, where that next generation of Marvel characters are that they're going to uh, kind of spend some time with. So I'm not really sure which way it's going to go. I'll be interested to see how this kind of all works out. But no matter what, like assuming the movie lives is basically as good as any of the other Marvel movies, um, the number one thing I think you can say is that when you look at all of these in total, this is – I think certainly an unmatched feat in, in in any kind of cinema history that they were able to build a a pretty coherent, uh, well nested, integrated storytelling universe that spanned this many movies over this many years, maintained its consistency, and basically, uh, you know, they effectively made money with every single one of them. So. I, like I said, no matter how the movie turns out, like I said, I'm going to assume it's going to be as good as any of the other ones. Um, so it's pretty incredible, pretty incredible thing that they pulled off. Yeah, because I mean, like Avengers uh, Infinity War could have could have been an absolute grease fire of a mess. I mean, you had so many things going on, so many different characters, different styles of movie that they were all pushing together. And it could have very easily ended up being absolutely horrible. And it was far from that. It was you know, it was fantastic. You know, it was surprisingly good. Um, and if they can, you know, continue with that and actually keep that level of quality up, I mean, it's it's going to be really, really solid. I mean, the the, the way that, that Infinity War went down and how it ended was just so good. Um, it makes you really want more. And if they can maintain that, it's going to be really, really solid. I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Yeah, I mean, they, they did have a lot going on in Infinity War, and I and and by their own admission, they realized that uh, they had so many characters, they they kind of had to make some some choices that some were or were not going to get much screen time in this one, in it, or, or in the first one, and if they didn't, that means that they were going to be much more prominent part in the second and End Game and and the now titled End Game one. So again, I, I think I'll be very interested to see how this goes out. Um, I, I I didn't see anything that turned me off, so to speak. Um, but I think we're going to, you know, I, I think there will be some obvious Marvel fun in it. 
they're going to have a, a bit of a more serious tone here and there. I think it's probably going to be generally along the same vein as Infinity Wars, but I suspect the good like, good guys will win in the end. Just just a hunch. Just a hunch. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, I think with this, this first trailer, they were really trying to hold back and not give away too much. It was very, it spoke that they were trying not to, to show too much. So, I mean, yeah, I, I understand your, your thoughts, Bate, that it was a, a little on the, the more tame side, but I imagine as usually get two or three trailers before the, the launch of this thing um, in April, I think, that uh, we'll see more. But for the first one, I think this is fine. I wasn't, like I said, turned off by anything. It, it looks it looks like a good setup. It, it definitely maintains the tone that you would expect following the immediate end of the uh, the first one. So it makes sense to me. I look forward to seeing the rest of them, and uh, hopefully it's a, a solid flick in April. Okay, so moving along to some more gaming-related news. Now, this was a trailer that came out during the Video Game Awards, which was earlier this week. And uh, I, as far as I know, this kind of came out of left field. Like, no one was expecting this to come out. And it's a game called Outer Worlds, or The Outer Worlds, produced by Obsidian. And uh, <laughs> I, I literally laughed out loud when I was watching, because it, it starts off with kind of a, a, a plucky fun opening and it says obsidian and then it goes from the creators of the original fallout and fallout new vegas and then it does a splash screen of the the outer worlds and then it proceeds to show you essentially what is fallout in space without being called fallout um made by the people who made some of the more popular fallout games and i, I had to laugh because it's like you know, they had no idea what was going to happen with Bethesda and Fallout 76, but with that thing being a, a rolling grease fire going down the street, this was so perfectly timed for them. And you could tell they knew exactly what they were doing because it was like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, those, those Fallout games that you liked, you know, Fallout New Vegas, that really popular one. Yeah, we made that one. So if you're disappointed with the current shit fire, uh, we got one coming out next year. You should check it out. And, uh, from what we saw, I thought it looked it looked really good. Like it, it definitely has kind of that New Vegas feel to it. Um, it's it's a space uh, setting, obviously. It's not a post apocalyptic, uh, uh, you know, Earth like you would have with Fallout. But it, it kind of almost had like a, like a Borderlands setting vibe to it, with kind of you know that so that sort of humor, but not quite as crazy. But yeah, it, overall, I thought it looked pretty solid. But what do you guys think? The coloring too, to go back to Borderlands, reminded me a lot of of that game as well, which I'm I'm perfectly okay with. Yeah, I'd say yeah, I think you hit it on the nose, Pokey. They they basically took a, a almost if you imagine Borderlands in the style of Fallout and kind of mishmashed it together. Uh, and again, Obsidian has some killer RPG chops between New Vegas, uh, you know, a lot of the other stuff they've done, Pillars of Eternity, things like that. I mean. They, I am I am very very keen on this game, and I don't know anything about it other than that trailer. Because um, if you think about it, if they basically just redo New Vegas with some updated tech in terms of the behind the you know the behind the scenes stuff, just you know like a little bit more current gen kind of stuff uh, going on in terms of what you know that you know, what the game engine's doing a little bit for AI and uh, choices like that, I, I think you're going to hit an incredible sweet spot right now that. Bethesda's not hitting and Bioware is not hitting uh, that normally that was sort of their, their bag. So I don't think there's anybody else operating in this space right now, uh, or at least, you know, not yet 
you can make a good argument that depending on when there's some other games in the pipeline that they come out that could kind of you know take this one's cheese. But right now, this is sort of a slice unto itself. And like you said, they absolutely just stone cold luck, good karma, whatever. Uh, you know, you hate to, you hate to have it happen on the back of somebody's misfortune, but with Fallout seventy six absolutely in the tank, um, this game looks really really good. This game would look good anyway, but it really kind of highlights it quite a bit in comparison to what's going on in Bethesda right now. Well, especially because there's been a, a very large request from fans to Bethesda, like, hey, why don't you guys let Obsidian make another spinoff Fallout game like New Vegas? Because you know that came out between uh, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, and people loved it. And Bethesda was pretty much like, eh, no comment. <laughs> so probably because they were making their own, obviously not a Fallout game, but it's definitely along those lines. And it is, like you mentioned, Jay, it's interesting with the stuff coming down the pipeline because Bethesda has talked about that uh, Starfield game that they're working on that is supposedly a space-themed, you know, similar style game to what you're used to. I'm not sure if it has the same tone as, like, what we're seeing with the Outer Worlds, but... You know, you've now you've got kind of like a direct competitor of <clears throat> here's Starfield, here's Outer Worlds. You know, right now with Bethesda and what they're doing, and and with rumors that they're going to use the same engine that they use for Fallout seventy six with you know Starfield with you know some tweaks in it, people are not too hyped about that. They're they're actually really worried that it's going to be you know another grease fire, and then comes along Obsidian who's making you know something that could be theoretically similar. Uh, and it looks really solid. They have a good track record. They've done really well uh, working with a new engine. Obviously, they're not using Creation Kit for this because they're not working with Bethesda. But, you know, in this current moment, the Outer Worlds is looking way more appealing um, for future styled games like, like that um, as compared to Bethesda, who is just bumbling over themselves with this this mess of, of Fallout 76. I'm, I, you know, we were joking before the show. Is like it seems like Fallout seventy six is being slapped together by like you know five devs in broom closet while like there's five hundred other people working on whatever the next game is for Bethesda. Um, I, when I saw this trailer, uh, I rewatched it again uh, like last night, and in my head I had basically a Saturday Saturday Night Live like skit of. Donald Trump with a MAGA hat going into the Bethesda scrum on like Monday going, all right, we're going to need a game and it's going to be space and it's going to be huge. It's going to be the best space game ever. It's, it's, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be, it's going to be a fabulous space game. Right. And, uh, and we're going to build it this year. Right. But that's the only thing that was going on in my head is, you know, that there's, there's some dudes like sweating this weekend going, yeah, we got to talk to the team on Monday. We gotta we gotta really get a progress report on how we're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> I can only imagine what's going on over there right now. It it probably is them going like, oh shit, because I mean, like I I heard nothing about this. Um, the Outer Worlds coming out like came out of left field. Like, what the hell is this? Like the trailer starts, and I'm thinking like, what is this? Like Rick from Rick and Morty? Because he, he kind of the character kind of looks like him. I'm like, oh, it's Obsidian. I'm like, oh, 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 Jesus, this is going to be good, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it came out of left field for a lot of people. Maybe we were all pretty caught off guard, which is un- unusual these days with how much stuff gets leaked. I'm, I'm impressed they kept the wraps on this because it's looking good. Did we did we talk last week, Jay, about uh, the whole canvas bag thing and the uh, 
leaked information uh, for Bethesda? No, there was a brief joke about it, but I, I think it's probably it's newsworthy enough that you probably in detail you could you could now the canvas bag thing I'm I'm partially tracking, but the 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 PI leak I was I'm absolutely aware of, which is hot garbage again by Bethesda. Yeah, so I mean the, the whole there was the complaint that with the collector's edition for the game, it came with it was advertised as having this really nice canvas duffel bag. I think the helmet that you that came with it would fit inside. It was meant to be a carrying case, and what came was definitely not uh, canvas. It was like a really cheap nylon bag, and they uh, they went on. People were commenting they're like it's not that expensive to make these canvas bags if you buy them in bulk. Like they just really cheaped out on it to save a couple bucks. Um, so there's a big, huge mess about it, and I think it was turning into kind of like a, you know, people are pissed off enough that like lawyers are getting involved with like a false advertising, you know, lawsuit, and Bethesda went, oh, let's not do that. Let's, uh, you know what? Okay, if you've got a, if you've got a clock position, just send us the tickets to this 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 little ticket site we set up, and we will. Um, you know, send you, uh, we'll verify your purchase of the collector's edition and we'll send you uh, a, a, a proper canvas bag that looks like the one that was advertised. Cool, fine. Seems like, okay, maybe they're finally getting their shit together. Maybe they, they've realized we, we, we did, a, did a wrong here, we need to fix it, we're going to take care of it and just fine. Except that people started to find out that once you submitted a ticket to get your bag, you could then log into your, your own account to check the status on the ticket and would not only see your ticket, but everyone's ticket. So you could see all the tickets that have been submitted, including things like personal information, pictures of screen of like receipts, bank account information, um, addresses, names, phone numbers, all of it was there. And people were like posting on Twitter, like, hey, Bethesda, you might want to do something about this. Like, this is really bad. And it wasn't just like one person. It was like everyone had access to this. And Bethesda's like, uh, okay, um, well, uh, yeah, our ticket system is down for maintenance. And then like two hours later, it came back up. And I guess they had resolved the issue. And people were asking in the forums, like, so what's up? And they're like, oh, yeah, we fixed it. No problem. And that was it. There was no statement of like, we're sorry, you know, your information is safe. It was just, uh, yeah, we fixed it. Uh, anyways, carry on. So people are really pissed off now because if you submitted a ticket to get this bag, you very well could have opened up a lot of personal information to anyone who could have purchased this thing and gotten into this really faulty, you know, security loophole. It's a it's a pretty big fucking deal. Like this is really bad because you know you could have some really personal stuff on there, and now you're looking at potential issues with identity theft and who the hell knows. And it's who <laughs> any goodwill that they got with this whole like bag replacement thing completely gone. Like this is it's terrible. I mean, my only assumption is that there's at least one or two people that got got schwacked over this one as as well they should. Um, but. I, like again, I know that, and logically, the, all these things may be not connected, but it's just another, it's just another indicator that whatever's happening over in Bethesda is not good generally. Yeah, I, you know, this is so unusual for them. I mean, they were, of course, like the company that we laughed about. Oh, they make buggy games fine, but this is. This is well beyond any issues they've ever had in the past with with how they've conducted business. It's just one thing after the other, and they just cannot seem to get their shit together. And it's these like really half-assed shotgun attempts to fix things, and maybe 
you should QA your, you know, ticket system first before you throw it out there. Um, it's just, it's, it's so out of character for them. And I think this has really permanently tarnished their reputation. It's going to take a very long time for them to get back to where they were and, and kind of mend the public opinion of their company, because this is, this isn't just like we released a bad game. It's just one thing after the other, and they just can't seem to get any of it right. And yeah, it just sucks, you know? It's just terrible for everyone involved. I totally agree, brother. Uh, like I said, it just, I think they could, I, I, I really hate kicking them when you're down because I, I like the, I like a lot of Bethesda's products generally. Uh, but I think they need to really kind of look at kind of the direction they're going. I mean, there may be some grand master plan going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but just their forward facing uh, activities for the last, you know, four or five months, they're just kind of struggling. Uh, and, and sometimes that happens. I mean, I certainly don't wish them any, you know, any kind of poor luck or anything like that. Or, I, you know, you don't want people getting fired, losing jobs, or you know, your company's not making money, but this is, they just need to do better. Yeah, pretty much. Totally agree. Uh, another trailer that came out this week was the MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries trailer. Did, have you played any of those those games recently, Jay? I know you've done uh, yes, uh, tactics ones. Okay. So, what do you think of this? I am super, super stoked about this. Um, this looks like it, this is a very deep refresh of the game in a lot of different ways. And so so I, I would say like these MechWarrior games are definitely, they're kind of more of a niche kind of game. They fit sort of in that sort of world of tanks kind of mode where they're extremely deep. Once you get into them, there's a lot of like heavy meta shifts and there's all kind of different builds and customization you can do, but it's definitely, you know, kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, a fairly narrow band of people that like to play these games. If you think about it, because it's not a, it is a more or less a first person game, but it's, it is not fast by any stretch of the imagination. It's basically world of tanks fast. Um, which is, you know, like turtle speed compared to something like COD. Um, but they're a lot of fun. But I, I think they're a lot of fun. And that whole world that they've had around for decades now is a really super fascinating science fiction world with dozens and dozens of, of like books, including some bestsellers written about it or written in that world, tons of tabletop history, all kind of neat stuff. Um, so the refresh of this looks good. I mean, they, they've, they, they've, they've really done a full overhaul of what they've been doing for the last several years with MechWarrior. So I'm, I'm pretty interested in this. I mean, it's definitely, it's a PC game. So that's, you know, that's not something I normally get into, but I was, I'm always a fan of this series in this world. And what is interesting, here's one for you. They, Piranha and Hairbrain Schemes, they brokered a deal where basically a lot of all of the mechs that you see in Hairbrain Schemes Battletech games, those are piranha skins. Those are all the piranha um, polygons, like 100%. And they, they basically did that for free for Jordan Wiseman and Mitch Gittleman uh, because of the relationship they had with those guys. Because, you know, they invented the whole Battletech and MechWarrior universe. Um which I thought that was, you know, again, that's something you don't see in an everyday gaming world, you know, that kind of stuff going on. You would never get that, you know, outside of game, you know, if the games were any bigger than, than what we're talking about, you probably would never see that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited for it. I, it's one of those that I think if you like games like uh, the Armored Core series, 
uh, is a good example, like where you get into a lot of really deep sort of customization and loadout builds for it, you would probably like this. Uh, and it, I'm not, I don't know enough about how they've scaled the campaign. I'll have to see how, kind of how that goes. There's definitely an, an, an economy part of it that you have to manage in terms of making sure that you have enough um, like money for parts and replacement pilots and all this other kind of good stuff that's sort of running behind the scenes. So you get kind of a XCOM light sort of thing going on in the background, but it's pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I I really hope this one does well. Yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, I haven't played MechWarrior since I think MechWarrior 2 on PC when I was like a kid. Uh, So this is definitely a a bit of a pump up from that, but it looks awesome. Like it looks really cool. So I'm, I'm glad that this is a, uh, a franchise that continues to to, to move forward because it is some some really cool stuff to see. So moving along to some actually pretty pretty huge news. Uh, so if you are all a person who plays game on PCs or you just know about gaming in general, you know that Steam is kind of like not I want to say the, the de facto place to get games, but it's definitely the largest place uh, largest distributor of PC games on the market. You'll you'll see other outlets there. Um, that will will do this, but Steam definitely has had the vast majority the majority of the market share. So people have kind of com- been complaining about this because monopolies suck and you want good competition, and it's just that no one's really had the oomph to really go toe to toe with with Valve and compete with Steam directly until uh, this week when Epic Games, the creators of Unreal Engine Four and a, a lesser known game known as Fortnite. Uh, announced that they are going to be releasing their own game store uh, to, you know, basically directly compete with Steam and, you know, provide a platform for people to submit games to sell uh, on their platform. And this is this is huge because obviously Epic is very well known now. I mean, they've always been well known, but especially with, you know, Fortnite and its success, it's definitely pulled Epic very much to the forefront of, you know, the industry. So that by itself is a big deal. But the real kicker is that the market average for when you sell a game on a platform like Steam is that the platform takes 30% of all sales. That's just kind of like where the line is for for most of them. And it may vary a little bit, but for Steam, it's 30%. So if you're selling a game on Steam, you get to keep 70% and 30% goes to, you know, the platform. Epic has announced that, hey, we're going to release this platform, but instead of 30%, we're going to charge 12%. So less than half of the market standard uh, price to to host the games, and you can host it on on Epic's uh, store. And this is this is huge, obviously, because it's a much bigger chunk of change for you know developers of games and that sort of thing. And this is kind of in line with what Epic had been doing earlier this year when they said, hey, you know, currently we are you could submit stuff to the like Unreal Engine store. And it was you could like build assets and models and textures and that sort of thing, and you could sell it through their their platform for for game developers to buy, and they would take a cut of it. Well, they had reduced that cut significantly, like by a lot, and then actually retroactively went back and paid people who had sold anything on the market since it opened what they would have gotten if they had been selling it at the new price um, this whole time. So people got a big check. It was it was really cool. Obviously, it was because the success of Fortnite had, had afforded them the capital to basically make this shift. And, and it's good for them because, you know, if you've got a really good uh, sharing ratio, people will put stuff on your store, which means you get more stuff, which is more revenue. Uh, and it, it worked really well for them. 
So the fact that they're able to do this now as a games platform is, is absolutely massive. And the other big part of this is that normally when you use Unreal Engine 4, how it works is I think you can, the game is, you can download the engine for free and you can develop on it. There's no upfront cost. And I think if your sales of the game exceed a certain amount per year, I think it's like a hundred grand or something like that, maybe less, maybe it's 10 grand. Um, you then have to pay 5% of whatever you make past that, that kind of minimum threshold to, to Epic. And that's how they make money from the engine. It's obviously worked very well for them when you've got big name developers like Square Enix, uh, picking up the engine and, and using it for like a large title like you know Kingdom Hearts or, or Final Fantasy, they're going to sell a lot of copies, and Epic makes quite a bit of money off of this. And, and this goes for smaller developers as, uh, as well, of course. The kicker is, is that if you sell your game on Epic's store, they waive that 5% cost if you use Unreal Engine. So it's it's still just a flat 12%. It doesn't matter how much you sell, it's just 12% across the board, and you do not have to pay that 5% to Epic for use of the Unreal Engine. So what you're really looking at is if you're a developer and you produce a game using Unreal 4 and you host it on Steam, you pay 30% to Steam and you pay uh, 5% to Epic. So you're basically paying 35% over a third, over a third of your your um, revenue stream to Steam and Epic. But now if I host that exact same game developed on Unreal 4 on Epic's side, I'm going from a 35% cut down to a 12% cut, which is absolutely insane. Like that is huge savings for any developer. And this is going to be a big problem, I think, for Steam because Steam's going to have to really up the ante to try to be competitive because this isn't just like a, hey, we're shaving off 5%, you know, we take 25, they do 30, you should come with us. This is a huge deal, especially for larger developers now that want to host stuff, you know, if you're, you sell a game for $10 million, I mean, do the math, that's that's a ton of money that you are now saving and you get to keep and reinvest into your game or your other your company um, by putting this on Epic's uh, game platform instead of Steam. And this is going to be crazy. Like this is going to sh uh, shake up a lot of stuff. And I, I think that, you know, like, like I mentioned before, Epic is big enough to actually go toe to toe with Steam. And I think this is going to really change some stuff. And I think it's great. I think the competition is good. And I'm, I'm glad to see Epic being successful with what they're doing. Uh, but what do you guys think? What do you think of all of this? Hey, Bay, you first, man. Oh, I mean, I, I agree with Pokey. I mean, competition is always good in the, in the market. Um, it will be interesting to see, though, I think, uh, how Steam is going to respond? Um, because can you can you download Source uh, for free uh, from them? Ooh, I'm not sure. Let me check. Because I know I know they make the engine, obviously. Um, so in my mind, as I was listening to you talk about it, I was wondering if they offered some kind of similar uh, program uh, that Epic, uh, I guess, what's, did. What's yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, you know, if that is the case, if say you you make a game on Source and put it on Steam or whatever, um, you know, if if they reduce your, you know, how much you have to pay them, um, or if they, you know, keep the, you know, thirty percent flat and then you know tack on something else, I don't know. Uh, it, like I said, though, I I will be watching this to see what happens. Um, yeah, I. I think you're about to see kind of a, a bit of the gaming landscape continue to, to, to move here. This is a pretty big move. I mean, if you thought if you thought Epic printed money, they're literally going out and like ordering a couple of other printing presses. Uh, so I, 
Like this could be interesting. I'm, I, I like I said, Steam actually provides a really good service, um, but it is more or less a monopoly. There's nobody really, really competing with it. You could argue that you know some of the Xbox or or the like you know the Sony store stuff is is competitive in that same world in the gaming world. They really service different targets, so to speak. Um, I, I will be interested to see how this how this kind of works out. Uh, and, and if I if I were like a sneaky um, like a really sneaky guy, it wouldn't surprise me if in the contract somewhere, like, hey, we're giving you, you know, Epic's like, we're giving you super best friend price, and if your game takes off, you know, you got to let us, like, pick and choose a couple of your characters to put into Fortnite if we want, you know, that kind of thing, which any uh, most people would generally do for free just for the press that it would give their game, or, you know, the pub that it would give their game. So I, I'm kind of, I'm very curious to see how this is going to shape out, you know, like, It'll take them a little while to get rolling, I think, uh, but it, this has the potential to be pretty serious. Honestly, yeah. And then my next question then is mobile question mark because I, I Ooh, if I'm not Ooh, mistaken, I, I know that you can use uh, Unreal Four um, to make mobile games. Uh, like I, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I don't know anything about that. No, um, you're not. But I'm fairly oh, confident I'm not okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So bait bait wasn't wrong. Um, yeah. So like, does this expand? And into you know mobile, and if it does, then you know how are we going to see um, you know the Google Play Store and the and the uh, whatever the uh, iOS what is the App Store? Um, you know how how are we going to see those affected? So this comes back to what they did with the Fortnite mobile version is that they chose not to sell it through the Google App Store because they didn't want to pay the I think it was thirty percent I think it's about thirty percent through Google App. Um, because that would be 30% of all of those microtransactions, all that money that they could be getting. And so what you had to do if you want to, you still have to do it, if you wanted to buy or play Fortnite on mobile, you actually had to go into your security settings and disable the protection feature, which prevented you from installing applications that did not come from the Google Store. So you could download it directly from Epic's site, install it, and then re-enable the security feature. And and people were, were kind of wondering if this would freak people out if they would not play the game because they didn't want to mess with their phone settings. The answer is no, they didn't care. Everyone downloaded this for their phone because they did not want to pay Google the, uh, the fee. So what Epic is doing in 2019 is releasing their own store for apps and games on Android uh, next year to basically, again, provide a platform with similar levels of saving. So if you're a developer and you don't want to give Google your 30%, you can go to Epic's launcher instead and uh, you know host your game there. And of course, they will be more than happy to host their own Fortnite there, which kind of helps get around some of those issues before. But yeah, no, they, they are going to push it at the mobile market as well. I'm not sure if they have commented on doing it for Apple yet. I'm not sure if Apple allows you to do that or not. But uh, at the very least, I know that they are going to be doing this for Android platforms uh, sometime next year. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I think this bear is pretty close watching uh, in, in terms of how it develops out. It, I mean, it, if there's anybody that's got the muscle right now uh, to do something like this and make an actual big move, it's probably it's probably epic. Um, I, I was a little surprised by this. I thought that they would go more, maybe more in the direction of uh, you know, almost making kind of their own battle net, you know, like, hey, we'll help you, you know, everybody that's interested in cross-save, cross-play, we'll build a hub or a nexus for it, uh, which they kind of already have. Um, but, I, you know, I, I thought maybe they would play more in that space a little bit. 
um, as opposed to this type of service. So I don't know. Pretty, uh, I'm pretty keen to see how how this shapes out. Yeah, I think this will be this will be very big, and it's going to change a lot of things, and it it'll be certainly interesting, especially with the mobile stuff, because mobile is getting is getting bigger each year. So that'll <laughs> stepping on Google's toes will be interesting to see how that goes. Oh, and also to kind of sweeten the deal and get people to actually download the the service because they have a game launcher right now that they use for Fortnite and some other stuff. Um, but if you download it now, they are going to be offering a free game every two weeks to anyone who has the launcher download. There's no like subscription or anything. It's just a free game. And I think it's going to run through 2019. So if you download it and pick it up December 14th through the 27th, Subnautica is free. Subnautica is actually a really cool game. I have it. I've played a little bit of it. I want to do kind of a let's play on it. It's a it's a survival game, single player survival game, but it is entirely in you're basically stranded on an ocean planet. There's no landmass, so it's all like diving underwater stuff. It's a really cool, unique survival game. It's really solid, and it's definitely worth picking up for free to give a shot. And then on December 28th through January 10th is Super Meat Boy, which is a really fun and challenging platformer. Um, I'm not really sure how to describe it other than that, but it, it, it's, it's good stuff. You should check it out. Um, so I, they're obviously going to try to kind of sweeten this deal and, and release these free games. We're like, come on, just just download it. It's not a problem. You get free stuff just to kind of help seed the market and get people looking at their launcher um, to you know raise awareness of it and help uh, you know entice developers to come over and maybe switch from Steam over to uh, to Epic, which will be pretty cool. And you get those games if you have the Epic launcher installed on your computer. Yep, it is free, no subscription required. Just have it installed and download it when it's available. Huh. Yep, it helps when you have a money printing machine. You can do cool stuff like that. Okay, so I, I kind of wanted to move along to something that, that Jay actually kind of requests we talk about a bit uh, this episode, and that is the Anthem Closed Alpha that uh, played this weekend. And I actually uh, was fortunate enough to get a key to give the Anthem Closed Alpha a shot on PC. And so I kind of wanted to talk about it. And I'm, I'm going to do this, and I hate doing this, but it, it's the best way to describe it, is I'm going to make a lot of comparisons between Anthem and Destiny because they are, if you look at what they're trying to do, they are very similar um, in a lot of ways. So I, I, I'm going to make a few comparisons that way. Um, just to kind of make this all fit in perspective. So um, Anthem, it is a very gorgeous game. Uh, my computer could kind of run it decently on medium, but my computer is a little old, so it, it was it looked really good, but I couldn't really give you a, a proper expl explanation of you know what it looks like in Ultra, but you know it, it, it looked pretty good. Uh, it is a third person game where you are in these exosuits called uh, shit. They are Javelins. Javelins, thank you. Um, basically, these, these armored exosuits, and you go into this, basically a giant open world jungle uh, with a central hub world of, like, this Fort Tarsus, where, like, all, it's the last bastion of humanity. Um, you could call it the tower if you wanted to, but it's a fort. Uh, but basically, you, you go out on missions, and you can have people uh, join you, kind of drop in co-op up to four players, I think, to do missions around the open world and, and that sort of thing. And then when you are in the hub world, it is kind of a single-player instant space. Uh, this game is produced by Bioware, so you've got a lot of uh, 
character NPC interactions, relationship building, the stuff you would expect from a Bioware game is supposedly going to happen kind of in the central hub world where you're, you're, you're your own instance of it. And then all the multiplayer happens outside of that. Uh, the hub world was mostly closed off for the alpha, understandably. It wasn't really there to show you all the features. It didn't have like the forge or the armory where you could equip and modify your suit and craft stuff. It was it was kind of like, hey, you get one javelin, you get to go out and do like the first two starter missions, and then it throws you like into a multiplayer mission. Then there's like free roam where you can kind of look around a portion of the map and, and kind of see what the world looks like. So I did mostly the two starter missions and the multiplayer mission with uh, a couple of friends of mine. And uh, it was an interesting experience. So first of all, a lot of connection issues, but to be fair, the purpose of the alpha was to stress test the connection. So, I, you know, the game isn't going to release in like two weeks. It's not like a uh, Fallout 76 thing where, you know, the game's coming out like in 10 days. It is still a couple months away. So it, it's getting close. They will have to fix that, but I'll, I'll, forgive the connection issues for now um the gameplay itself was interesting because again i make that comparison to destiny destiny is a very fast you know tight quick game where with anthem it is much more slow and deliberate you might think it's faster because your character can fly for short periods of time but it's the flying is more of a to move around the map and not so much to be using in the middle of a firefight, right? And the way your characters move is definitely, I feel, a lot uh, a lot slower. They've got some, like, agility where they can kind of, you know, dodge roll and that sort of thing. But um, for the most part, the game felt much more deliberate. It wasn't as snappy, quick, lightning-fast gameplay as you'd see in Destiny. Um, it was slower, which is not a bad thing. It's just a, definitely a different style of gameplay. You're not going to have these crazy jump, spin, 180, you know, no scope shit. It's, you know, you're in your armor suit. You've got, you know, special weapons, abilities, um, ultimates, and your, your guns. Um, so that was fine. Uh, just different, but it was fine. Um, the flying was, was interesting. So... Uh, like I said, it's primarily for moving around the map because the map is absolutely huge. And I, I got to give them props for making a world and a jungle that is much more diverse than Destiny. There's lots of verticality because you can go up and down mountains and underwater and all kinds of crazy stuff. So the world itself is much more interesting. It's not as flat as you'd see in like a game like Destiny. Um, flight, however, is limited. It's kind of like an overheat system. So as you're flying, heat builds up. And you have to cool down uh, or you'll overheat and kind of crash. And you go into this kind of stasis where you have to kind of stumble around while your heat kind of goes into emergency cool period. Uh, you can dive underwater or you can fly through like a waterfall. And that will help cool the suit off and let you keep flying for longer. Um, but it's not like you can just go flying wherever you want. There are definitely some, some hard limits of how long you can do it. And that's probably the developer to kind of force you to not go certain places because... You know, they don't necessarily want you to have full access to everything, you know, no matter where you are. So that was fine. The issue with the flying is it's really, really hard to fly. Um, and I'm not sure if it was bad controls or if it's just a really steep learning curve. But the best way I could describe it is you, you, you kind of go into this, like, you know, Superman pose. Or you're kind of flying, you know, like stomach down, head forward. And <clears throat> the issue is that when you move your mouse to where you want to go. The cursor moves to where you want to go, but your character turns slower than the cursor can move, 
So the characters have a really, really wide turn radius. They can't turn on a dime. And I found myself overcorrecting a lot and crashing into stuff. I got better at it as I went through the alpha. I'm not sure if, like I said, it's a, it's a learning curve thing or if it's a bad control thing. But the flying was definitely not intuitive. And it was a little frustrating because in the missions they gave you, there's like literally a part where it's, you have to like fly towards these like, energy beams that are like sliding towards you to like dodge roll out of the way. I must have crashed like four times trying to get through this because it was like the first time you fly. And it was this, from what I felt, a really difficult puzzle. So that was kind of frustrating. I, I hope there's not a ton of that because it was kind of a pain in the ass. But right. uh, okay, are, yeah. I've got to ask, are you, you're predominantly a, like a keyboard mouse guy when you're on PC. You don't you use like a scuff controller or anything like that? It depends on the game. But for this, I didn't want to mess with it. I just did keyboard mouse. Yeah, I, like I, I'm, I'm. It just makes me. I'm curious if this game is one of the ones that you. It's going to drive you to, to to like use a controller, you know, just based on the style of game it is, or and then really the movement that you're describing. You know, and I could buy that because, like I said, everything is slower. You aren't going to have that like uh, uh, Call of Duty or like Counter Strike level of twitch gameplay. So that the, the absolute precision of the mouse is not as critical. So I can actually see this being a lot better with a controller, possibly. Um, and that's like I said, it might be a control thing, it might be a learning curve thing. So I, I'm not going to write it off because of that, but it is worth you know considering if you're playing on PC. It's a very good point, Jay. You might want to try a controller to see how it goes. I personally didn't, but I could see that working a little bit better. Um, so yeah so the, the movie was good you know, the animations were pretty solid like you know you could kind of do some cool like superhero shit you'd like you know dive bomb with your your character out of the air and like land on a group of enemies and just you know blow them all away like it, it kind of had some cool moments there um the enemies were were a little stiff um i kind of had to laugh because they're it's they're, they're fairly simplistic movements and they tend to like spawn out of these pods that come like crashing into the ground honest to god it looked a lot like the project nova ai like it was it was workable like it was Whoa. fine but it wasn't like <laughs> great you know like, i i would kind of expect more from this degree of developer i mean this isn't like ccp's like you know small team working on a project this is bioware fueled by ea um i was not very impressed with the ai of the enemies um it was just kind of like they it, it, there could be more but like i think there was these God, I think they're called scrappers or something like that. Um, and there's kind of these big like robot red enemies that would kind of come shuffling towards you. And then there was a couple times where you were fighting some like wolves. Um, I think there was like a golem thing at one point in one of the missions. But uh, yeah, they, they weren't they weren't that great to be honest. Um, I have to give Destiny kind of the win on on their AI. To be fair, most AI is actually not that intelligent. It's more of how it presents the AI to the player. But this felt kind of stiff. It was kind of like, oh, okay, I mean, like it's something to shoot, but it's not particularly interesting. Um, I think Destiny was a little more interesting in that regard. So the AI was okay, above average at best, um, just in terms of the enemies and the kind of variety of what you were seeing and how they interacted with you. Okay. Um, the guns felt really tinny and puny. Like, so you fire the gun and it, it just, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it has weight behind it. You know, you can really tell when you play a first person shooter, like, like, and Jay, you, you can relate to this one. Like, when you first picked up, like, the trust in Destiny 2 and you pull the trigger, it, the sound it makes, it just has this weight behind it. And you're like, yeah, that sounds like a badass gun. This thing kind of felt like a pea shooter. Like, it, it did damage, um, but it didn't feel powerful. It was just kind of like, it shoots 
lines at the enemy and it, it kills them and you know okay it wasn't very exciting it wasn't like a really cool feeling it wasn't like um like Killzone 3 also had really good guns where there's these big like heavy guns and they're kind of rattling and, and clunking when you fire them and they just sound cool i wasn't getting that with this and maybe it was just the starter gun maybe we can chalk it up to an alpha i don't tend to like to do that because this was kind of past that level of polish but um it just they, they were okay you know uh and it was i don't know i mean like the mission was was pretty straightforward it was like we're looking for a research that got stranded and we're kind of following his radio beacons and trying to protect him from these these enemies that are spawning and it kind of ends in this big battle inside a dungeon where you're shooting these 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 little red scrapper enemies and then a boss spawns and it's got like a big shield and, and you gotta kind of flank it and shoot the shield from the side and that sort of thing um, and then you get your loot, you go back to the, the, the Fort Tarsus, and that was kind of the end of it. It, 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 like, it was workable, like it was, it was okay. Um, it, it's like, it's the kind of game that I would like to play, um, and it, it certainly was passable. But I think what it kind of came down to, and I, I was talking to, to Dante and Livy about it the next day, was the, the game feel like the moment to moment how does it feel to play this game and like i said i'll make that comparison to destiny 2 when you play destiny regardless of the content or the the loop or whatever the moment to moment the pulling the gun the pulling the trigger on the gun the movement the jumping the abilities the grenades it feels good and exciting to do things in destiny it's got really good game feel anthem kind of lacked in this like what i was doing was interesting i guess um but it just it didn't have that like that quite like really crisp fun factor where you know shooting is fun jumping is fun it was just kind of like okay you know um and this this is a little concerning because usually your first your first you know foray into a game is the most exciting time when you play the game um and it was kind of like all right you know it was okay you know but it wasn't it wasn't amazing um and and i i will be honest part of my lack of excitement could be for the fact that this is an EA game. I am extremely skeptical of it. So that might be kind of skewing my perception a little bit. Um, but still, it just it didn't quite have that same grip of fun factor that you get with with some other games out there. Um, and it's kind of a shame because like you, I could tell by the framework of what they have, it's pretty good. Um, the world is much more interesting. Like, that's probably the, the best part, is the world is really cool, like flying around and actually seeing all the cool stuff. That's really cool. But the rest of it just kind of felt a little lackluster is kind of what it comes down to. So I wouldn't say the game is bad. It's got a really good production quality. It, it's pretty solid. But it didn't really like make me go, I need this game. Like I'm so excited to buy this game. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, I, I play it. But do I want to like run out day one and buy it? Probably not. Um, which is just kind of a shame because, like I said, it, it looks interesting, but it just didn't quite grab me like I had hoped it would. So that's kind of what I thought about it. But I don't know if you have any questions, guys. Um, so uh, one, I appreciate the analogy with Destiny. That's a, that's a game a lot of people can kind of get their heads around, and they do tend to see themselves. I, I think Anthem is very much going to be uh, kind of placing itself as a competitor. But when I was listening to what you were describing. What you sounded like you were describing to me was Monster Hunter World. Is that maybe more <laughs> of a mechanical fair comparison than maybe Destiny? Um, yeah, if you took out like the the personal skill factor of of Monster Hunter World, yeah, it was just kind of like point and shoot, get loot, 
do it again, fight a bigger monster. Um, obviously, I didn't see any of the story elements. That that could be a redeeming factor. But yeah, it was just kind of like, okay, I guess, you know. Yeah, no, that, I, I think that's fair. I mean, now, did you get a look at any of the customization stuff? Because that's, that that appears, at least, I, I know they have like the uh, the visual customization piece, which is incredibly deep but i did you get a, a feel for any of the other kind of rpgs type mechanics in the game um the only thing that i could really comment on is just the kind of loot i got um just like at the end of the mission you got like a, a thing of like 10 items or whatever and i got a couple of weapons um a couple like uh, modifiers for the suit things i could put on i couldn't actually do any of that it wouldn't give me access to the customization portion but i did see the parts you would get to do the customization with so not really a good look at it unfortunately um and i've i've, I've kind of isolated myself from watching videos online about this i wanted to go in kind of blind um but no not not much really in the alpha okay no i, I was very very keen to see what you said about that because you'll be the first person i've spoken to that's personally laid hands on the game there's a lot of like secondary stuff out there uh, in terms of gameplay or how it feels. And, um, I, you know, I, I think this is one that I, I agree. It's, I'm not going to rush out and get like the digital super copy of it, but, you know, as it kind of matures a little bit, I'm, I'm kind of curious how it's going to feel. Now, one of the things that you did say is it, it, you didn't use the term clunky, but it definitely, um, in terms of the movement of the, the javelin suits, they seem to have their own, you know, like much more tanky feel to them. Not, did you get to play? You said you only get to play with one, right? You couldn't play with all of them. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say they're clunky. They're just, I won't say heavy either, but they have a sense of weight to them. Um, and the only one that we had access to is I think the the kind of middle of the road one of the four that are available. So it's kind of the all all around general purpose one. We didn't get to play around with the uh, the other three, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I remember that was one of their gameplay highlights was showing kind of some of the different movement styles and options. Like the two lighter ones uh, appear to be much more uh, freer in their movement abilities, whereas like the, the like I said, the, the Ranger suit, which is I think what you had, is pretty middle ground. But the heavy suit, like the Colossus suit, that thing was literally like a juggernaut tank. Um, and it was, it, it, it was very much moving a straight line at high speed not a lot of turning left and right. It, it was how the gameplay appeared to be. Yeah, I mean, it very well could be, and I, I haven't watched much of that, but uh, you know, I, I could see them going, leaning really heavily into the RPG stuff, um, which might be where I personally get a lot of enjoyment out of it, because I love, as you know, the theory crafting, the customization. Um, that's that's usually what draws me to a game. So if, if that's really solid, if we can get a good look at that and, and get hands-on and actually play around with it and see how it really affects gameplay... Um, that could be a huge redeeming factor for me personally, but unfortunately we didn't see that with the alpha. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, so, so alpha was this past week. When when do you think beta comes out? Because I mean, it's got to be January, right? If they're, I mean, they're still shooting for what a February, late February release, March release. So yeah, February twenty second is the release date. So yeah, I, I imagine early to mid January they'll have to have a. a a beta or something, or at least another go at this um, to give people a chance to get hands-on. I, I want to say they might have mentioned wanting to do a demo later on, um, so that that will probably come really close before launch to kind of get people hyped for it, but I imagine they'll do a beta test uh, sometime in the next month or so. No, I mean, that sounds good, man. I, I really appreciate you giving us a read on it. Yeah, no problem. Like, it, it, was, it was an interesting experience, you know. It was... Uh, 
it, it's not going to be a final judgment from me. I can only really comment on what I saw because, like I said, I've, I've avoided looking anything else as to avoid hyping myself into to believing something it's not. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll absolutely jump on it again uh, to kind of give it a shot. I think once they unlock some more of those extra features I talked about, um, that will kind of help me give a, a better look at what we're looking at. But uh, if I had to like make a like a gun to the head choice right now, I'd probably pass, but not say it's a bad game. But again, I'm not. I can't really fairly say that because we'll have to see more of it before I can actually make a decision. So we'll we'll give the uh, the beta a shot. Um, might try it on PS4 just to have a controller and and you know we can run a few missions, Jay, and you know together and, and kind of do a, a dual take on it. Because I know you're pretty interested in this one as well. So we'll we'll take a look at it and, and definitely report back on it. All right, man. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, was there anything else you guys want to talk about before we go into shoutouts? Uh, did we talk about the uh, the video game awards? Oh yeah. Do you want to leave that one off, Bate? What'd you think about that? Um, the I, I didn't get a chance to watch the uh, the the whole thing. Um, I've, I've been busy with uh, prepping for finals and whatnot, but I saw some of the highlights. Um, that came out. I think God of War won Game of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, so props yep. to them and uh, all the good work that uh, Sony Santa Monica does. I like how you said that in such a, you know, like sort of non-plus self-assuming. Yeah, I think, I don't know, some little like kind of indie studio out of the West Coast did this, uh, what's this, uh, <laughs> God of War, God of War, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's well-deserved, well, well-deserved on their part. I mean, I know everybody's like up in arms about Red Dead, but I, I got to tell you that, like, um, I've not, I, like, that's literally one of those, oh, you mean single player stories are dead? Hold my beer. Watch this. Uh, like that. That was a. That was definitely a masterpiece by I, I think anybody's stretch on it. Um, and that's not throwing shade at anybody else. Like you know, because it really I I suspect everything came down to Red Dead or God of War. Um, there's I, you know maybe maybe Spider Man as like a dark horse as a distant third, but um, I, I got that was legitimately. Uh, there was nothing in that game that didn't hit it to hit the mark. And, and I, I say that very rarely, like all the way from minute to minute gameplay to like the character, you know, the character building to the story, to the look and the feel, the sound of it. You know, you could get something out of the game no matter where you look. It, it was pretty amazing. So I, I like that's probably a well-deserved, well-deserved activity. And I'm very, very interested to see what that team is working on now uh and there's been some hints here and there that uh uh cory barlog is is involved in some other projects too so I, i'm i'm super stoked about this well deserved by that team though i think i saw one youtube comment uh, as i was kind of scrolling through that that said it best you know uh one of the reasons that you know you're not one of the reasons but i mean looking at what it came down to, you know, people are talking Red Dead and, and God of War, um, which I I wholeheartedly agree. God of War deserves deserves that win because, fuck, man, Red Dead's starting to kick my ass, I'll be honest. Um, but, like, there there are no microtransactions in that game. Nobody's trying to, as far as I'm aware, um, I'd be... I don't, think, I don't think there's man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the, so there aren't any in that game, and nobody's trying to like, nobody's trying to shill, you know, or trying to pull money from me or whatever. Uh, it was a complete game um, that you know that didn't need any DLC. You know that they're going to charge uh, fifteen twenty bucks for after the fact um, to to make the game complete. 
Um, so I, I think for for you know those reasons, you know that 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 does build um, a good case for God of War um, winning uh, uh, that award. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're you're spot on, man. Uh, were there any surprises? Well, I tell you what, how, how about we do, how about we do this before we? we I, I recommend that like on on uh, the next Sunday show we come in with our sort of post post game awards aftermath and we can go through. Um, you know, the notion was like, Hey, what, you know, who, who won? Did we, did we agree? Yes, no. And if there are any, I'm always curious to see who, who was the, uh, the hardest second place choice, you know, that kind of thing. Who was, who probably should have got the nod, but didn't, you know, but didn't that kind of thing. Uh, we could probably come in. That's a, that's an easy topic to fill up, uh, on Sunday. We could probably save a lot of that one for that one. What do you guys think? Yeah. Sounds yeah. good to me. All right. Um, the only thing I'll mention, uh, I, I don't want to do a full-blown rundown on the Black Armory uh, season update for Destiny. It's, it is, there's, a, there's a big debate about what you call it. Is it DLC? Is it an expansion? I, I don't know. They're definitely moving into the WoW country with the way they're doing content now. Um, it was not a great rollout. Uh, because they, I don't think they properly prepped the community on what the power levels were going to be for, for Black Armory. Um, and it, it, you basically, the, the, the opening thing that you do to actually access real Black Armory content, like the new stuff, you, you've got to be, uh, one, you, you have to be 600, period. But to even have a shot at completing the initial forge that's open there, there's like one every several days it opens up. Uh, they, they give you all different loot, different weapons and, you know, things like that. there's a ton of different secrets and like puzzles in there that you got to figure out. But um, long story short, if you're not like six ten or so, you know, maybe six fifteen, uh, but probably at least a minimum six ten, you, you will not, you, you cannot, can't, you're not going to be able to compete. Um, it's definitely like kind of like escalation protocol early stage. But what they, so what they didn't do was prep the community. So even if you were a max light level, because you didn't have a week of grinding and two resets to get your power level up a little higher before this thing kicked off, it really stonewalled a ton of people. And, and I guarantee you can go on Twitter, you can go on Reddit, and you find like a ton of people giving you the get good scrub or like we did it at 600 light. One, I kind of call it bullshit too. I'm absolutely confident that there are some people who are semi-professional fucking game players uh, or that you may have made it when you were 600 light, but the other two guys that carried you like Yoda in a backpack uh, were probably not. Uh, so like I, I'm sitting around six, six, 609 light right now. It is a butt kicker. Um, I have not beat the first forge yet. And I, I kind of went after it for about five straight hours the other day. Uh, doing it with randoms hor- horribly hard. Doing it with a fire team that knows what they're doing is is just really really hard, not horribly hard. So that being said, uh, the raid got great remarks. Uh, like the, the raids in the in the city in the actual last city, it got got a lot of great comments. Um, and once you beat the first forge and you activate the forge, it opens up a lot of this other content for you like these different bounties and all this other kind of good stuff. And you really get to understand where all these puzzles are as you go back into these forges. Um, once people got into that phase, once they've broken the ice into that, 
they were much more they were not going to much they were definitely more okay with what's going on in Black Armory. But it, this is a big change for how Bungie's rolling out content. I think what you're going to see is literally every week for the next twelve weeks in this season. You know, seasons being about a quarter. You know, uh, in calendar year, it, there's going to be some new stuff almost every week. Probably it may be small, but there's going to be something new almost every week. I guarantee you. Um, so I, I think. I, I'm I'm willing to kind of let let this one kind of wait and see, but it's they definitely needed to kind of think through how they open this one up. I think what they really should have done is made it much more copacetic. To if you were like at max light level when the season kicked off and they've up upgraded the light level to like 650, like if you could do this at 600, like if you had if you were at peak light level, you know you you could do this. Like it was it might be tough, but you could you could do it. You know it was like nightfall level difficulty that kind of thing. Um, by stonewalling of the vast majority of their player base, they really turned a lot of people off like hard uh, with their first sort of brush with the new content. Right. Uh, so, it, it, you know, there's no new strikes, there's no new world loot. There's, you definitely have to get into it. So it's, it, it is a true in game expansion. So if you weren't all the way at the end game being defined as at 600 light have already been raiding and doing all this other stuff, if you've bought the annual pass, you've basically bought the ability to continue to grind beyond what your current market you're grinding to was, if that makes sense. So if you're like at five, like 580 light, let's say you have like a, a real life and you've done a raid or two, you know, you, you know, you, you play routinely, but you, you can't, you're not like maxing out all your powerful engrams every single week. And you're like at 580 light, you've got to grind to get to about 610 to really have a chance to really get into the new content. Um, because it's like a, it's kind of a wave based kind of activity. Uh, so there's three waves and it starts at like, I think 610 and it ends at 625 is wave three. So you, you got to have your shit together. Uh, and you have to grind for a while just to get to the new content that kind of put me off a little bit. I really wish they had made the first forge, uh, much more accessible to let you get into it. And then like every week, I don't care if the, it's like the first one's at 600, the second, second one's at like 620 or whatever. I really don't care. But let people get into all into the new content, you know, make it challenging, but certainly not a bottleneck to getting people into your product. So that's that's kind of my hot take on on how the, you know, how the game's sort of, look, sort of looking right now. But again, I, I'm, you got to give this one. I think this is one of the ones that's really hard to do a review on. So I'm not really doing that. It's more along the lines of, I'd like to give you almost like a running update on how it develops over probably the first two or three weeks. Uh, but that's kind of the, the destiny news of the day is uh, Black Armory's out and in full swing right now. Yeah, that's pretty on point, man. Yeah, we, we ran into that issue as well where it was, uh, Livy wasn't quite 600 yet. And so even with spamming every possible piece of powerful gear we could get this week, wasn't going to happen just you know it was we were not going to get to the appropriate level to have everyone ready to go and, and do this so um i kind of sucked i kind of hope that they would have made like the very first one a little bit lower and then had the one they released on friday be like the full the full ante you know once people kind of yeah. got a chance to get a feel for it Cause at least at least you could at least try it then and not have to be like you know mlg levels of, of playing and, and and maybe do the second one you know in a week or two but whatever um i haven't done it either um so we'll have to try it out you know so then next week once we're all kind of leveled up a bit more um, but it looks looks interesting but yeah they could definitely handle this roll out a bit better i think 
All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to go over before shout outs? Take that as a no. Okay. Uh, my shout outs, I will give it to uh, God of War and the team at Santa Monica Studios for winning Game of the Year. Totally deserved it. I was really hoping the whole time, and I was, I was quite excited when they, they actually got the nod at the end there. So it was good for them. Uh, also, props to Monster Hunter World for winning uh, Best RPG of the, of the Year. Um, and there's a big announcement they're doing tomorrow. Uh, kind of in, in prep for their one-year anniversary of the game coming out. So I'll definitely get, let you guys know what I think of whatever that is uh, next week. Hopefully it's something to kind of pull me back in, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's my shout-outs. What about you, Bait? Uh, yeah, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, finals are starting to uh, they start tomorrow. Um, and that should be for just about everybody. Uh, across the country, so uh, shout out to all my fellow college uh, students uh, and the upcoming week that is that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right, and Jay. Uh, shout out to the game Zenith. It's a little known uh, game because I found the PlayStation Store earlier this weekend. Just kind of messed around with it for like twenty bucks. Um, it's definitely a Bard's Tale style RPG, action RPG, but much more like kind of like modern and adult it, it it i mean it makes cracks it you know frozen and stuff like that very very fun game it's not anything earth shaking from a mechanical standpoint but the narrative right like the writing and the uh, sort of the scenarios hilarious uh it's 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 well worth the 20 bucks it's not it's not, it's not a right home you know it's not a huge send up kind of game but it's a fun little game i, I love finding these little hidden gems out there so Shout out to Zenith on the uh, the PlayStation Store. Well worth it. All right. Good stuff, guys. All right. If you guys uh, want to be on the show, if you have any topics you want us to cover, head over to biomass.com and let us know. Uh, but that being said, I want to thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Bye.